Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you all tuning in today for Q&A Tuesday. It's the day of the week that I've pulled out a bunch of DMs from my Instagram messages to see what are the top questions, what are the things that are being asked the most, what do you need answers to, how do we get your baby sleep on track, how can I help with that. So I pulled out those questions for this week and here we go. First question is about sound machines, one of my favorite topics because sound machines are one of my favorite baby sleep tools. They're one of my favorite adult sleep tools. So this question is, what are your thoughts and advice on sound machines? I'm sure you can already guess based on what I just said that my thoughts are I love them. So some advice. Here's the thing about sound machines. They get a bad rap from some parents or just some people because there's this idea, and I do feel it's a myth, that your baby will only ever be able to sleep if there's a sound machine on, and your baby will never be able to fall asleep in the future without a sound machine if you get them used to falling asleep with a sound machine in infancy. The thing is, human beings sleep better when it's quiet. Not just babies, not just toddlers, adults too. We all sleep better in the quiet than we do in the noise. We all sleep better in the quiet than we do when there are large, sharp disturbances disrupting our sleep. And so that's what a sound machine can help with. Whether you are six months old or six years old or 60 years old, a sound machine can really help drown out those external sounds that can disrupt our sleep. Whether it is the fact that you're six months old and your three-year-old sibling is running dinky cars up and down the hallway outside of your room while you're trying to nap. Whether you are a 39-year-old like me whose husband stays up later than you and likes to watch television and it disrupts your ability to fall asleep. A sound machine can help with that. So it's not a bad thing. Your child will be able to sleep in situations where there is not a sound machine. But generally, they're going to sleep better when there is a sound machine, whether you get them used to it or not, because it's going to drown out those external sounds. So if there's an occasion in the future where you travel and you forget your sound machine, don't do that. Remember your sound machine. Really try. But if you forget it, Will your child still be able to sleep? They will, but it might be a little tougher for them to fall asleep if there's a bunch of noises going on while they're trying to nap. If there's a situation way down the road when your child is older and they're at a sleepover and there's no sound machine for them, they'll still go to sleep. It might take them a little longer. It's going to take them longer anyway. They're at a sleepover, you know, but they're still going to be able to fall asleep without that sound machine. But with the sound machine, they'll sleep better. So why not offer it to them whenever we can, especially at home, especially when we're traveling and we just need to throw it into our luggage. So my thought on a sound machine is it can be really great for sleep. It can help really create a sleep conducive environment. So what is my advice on sound machines? My advice is a few things. Recommendation is generally that the sound machine be five or 10 feet away from your child's head or their crib. So we're going to make sure that we place that sound machine five or 10 feet from where your baby's head would be when they are sleeping. 
we are going to keep it under 50 decibels. How do you measure that? You can actually get a free decibel reading app that you can put on your phone and place your phone in the crib where your child's head would be, place the sound machine five or 10 feet away, and then measure on the app what 50 decibels is. I also recommend that we use just a plain white noise setting or maybe a rain setting, maybe like a babbling brook setting. But what I don't recommend is that we use big, strong ocean waves or thunderstorms or jungle sounds. Essentially, we don't want to use things that change. We want to use a nice, constant, steady sound. And I also recommend that you don't have the sound machine running on a timer so that it shuts off during the night. I recommend that you run it through the whole nap time and the whole night. So if there are disturbances in the middle of the nap or in the middle of the night or very early in the morning, your child still has that sound machine on and it can still be helping them stay asleep and get that restful sleep that they need. Next question for today. Can babies have night terrors? What do I do when this happens? Babies can have night terrors. Here's the thing though. There is a difference between night terrors and nightmares. Children do not normally have nightmares until somewhere between the ages of two and four years. So your baby is not likely having a nightmare. They are more likely having a night terror if that's what you feel is happening. But the difference is what it looks like. A nightmare is fairly obvious because you can tell that your child has woken from it. And generally because they have these when they're older, they talk to you about it. They explain what's happening. I had a bad dream. I had a nightmare. They're awake. It's very clear to you that they are conscious and aware of what's going on. That's a nightmare. A night terror can happen in younger infants or older children. The big difference is that it's very clear that your child is not actually awake. Your child is having this night terror while they are still asleep. They are not conscious that it's happening. So when you feel that your child is having a night terror, the recommendation is generally that you go to your child, you be with your child to make sure they are safe because they are not awake and this thing is happening but you don't actually try to wake them up. It can be very tempting for parents to try to wake their child up during a night terror, you know, jiggle them or shake them a little bit and speak really loudly and try to get them to wake up out of this. But the recommendation is that you just be with them so they're safe, but you let it pass and your child simply then goes back through their normal night of sleep. So that's what I recommend if you feel your baby or your young child is having a night terror. Next question is about how long do you work on sleep coaching before you just give up? This question says, if I'm working on sleep coaching with my baby, how long do I try before I decide it's just not working or it's not the right approach? Whenever I get asked this question, I always revert back to what we at the Happy Sleep Company do with families in our one-on-one programs. And that is we work with a family one-on-one, hand-in-hand, step-by-step for two weeks. Are there situations where everything looks pretty rosy and fantastic after only a week? There are. But more often, there are situations where maybe nights look really good after a week, but we're still really working on naps. Maybe naps and nights look pretty good, but there's one nap in the day of this six-month-old's three naps that is still a pretty big struggle, and we're still really working on that and making some tweaks and figuring out the schedule and determining why that nap is tough. So the answer to this question is a couple of weeks. If you are working on sleep coaching, if you have a plan in place that you are very confident in and comfortable with, it really is important that you are 100% consistent about implementing it and that you give it a couple of weeks to really ensure you're giving your child a chance to learn. The biggest thing about sleep coaching 
is consistency. We are trying to help your child understand and know what to expect in every single sleep scenario. If we give up after only a day or two and we do something different and then we try to go back to something else, we're just confusing your babe. Your babe doesn't understand what to expect in each sleep situation if we change it up in every sleep situation. So we really want to, again, pick an approach we're comfortable with so we're consistent about it and give it some time so that your child really starts to learn these new, different, independent sleep skills. Remember, if you're doing sleep coaching with a six-month-old, a nine-month-old, your child has had six months, nine months, to get used to one way of going to sleep. It is normal that it would take them more than a couple of days to get used to something brand new and to master something brand new. So we do need to give it some time. Next question for today is about illness. And I think we can all relate to this because it is the winter months and our little ones are starting to go through these periods of illness that linger and coughs and colds. So this question says, would it be okay to let my two-year-old sleep in when she's fighting a cold or illness? To some degree, yes, but for the most part, I'm kind of a stickler for schedules and staying on them. Even when your child is sick and especially really when your child is sick, Because it can be so tempting to let your two-year-old sleep in until 8, 8 9 o'clock in the morning if they will actually do that when they're under the weather. Because most two-year-olds are normally up around 6 or 7 o'clock. So for a parent, it feels like a huge win if your child will sleep in nice and late, get the extra rest they might need during an illness, and you get a little bit more of a break in the morning. The problem is probably going to come around nap time, though. If your two-year-old sleeps until 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning... Even if they're under the weather and they're needing some extra rest, they're probably not going to go down for their nap very well in the middle of the day if they have slept way in in the morning. And then the problem is if they don't take their nap, you're just in a cycle of overtiredness because you tried to get them some more sleep in the morning, but it resulted in them refusing their midday nap, which results in them being really overtired by bedtime. So let them get their sleep, maybe let them sleep in about half an hour beyond when they normally would in the morning. Maybe let them nap about half an hour more than they normally would for their nap, but I wouldn't do more than that, even when they're a little bit under the weather, because we really do want to keep the schedule on track so there's enough sleep pressure for the next sleep time. Last question for today, I'm looking for a mattress for my three and a half year old. Do you have any recommendations? I sure do. I love Obison. If you listen to this podcast, you will know that we have a partnership with Obison. I love Obison. I don't even think we have an ad today for Obison, and this isn't an ad per se. This is just, I did have this question in my inbox, and I can't speak enough about how much I love those mattresses. They are luxe, they are beautiful, they are soft, but the right firmness for your child as they grow. Uh, I've been to their factory outlet because it happens to be in my home city, which is Ottawa, Canada, but they actually have retailers all over North America. So they're available all over the place, a really great option. And I'll put some notes in the show notes about a promo that we have with them. So if you are looking for either a crib mattress or a mattress for your older child as they transition to a big kid bed, 
Obazon is a really great option. And I wrote this mom back in my DMs and let her know that. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap up for the week. That's the top five. We went from sound machines to illness to night terrors and mattresses. So we covered a lot. I hope that was helpful. I hope you got something out of today, a little nugget that can maybe help you through an illness this winter or a night terror that your baby might be having or some thoughts around how to set up a sleep conducive environment for your babe. Tune in next week and have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.